What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode. Today we have Arazu, and we get into a lot of really cool stuff about being uncomfortable, facing fear, asking the right questions, which I think is going to be the theme of this show, but super powerful. She shares a lot of great advice about how she's done that. So let's dive in and see what she has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Guyao Now Show. I am, as always, your host, Bob McIntosh. And today, I am honored to introduce Arazu. I say that right? You said it perfectly. Perfectly. I, I hate mispronouncing people's names, so I always try to make a point. And, and if you're listening, by the way, that's something you should take note of, too. I feel like uh, making sure... And hearing your name is one of the most powerful things you can, you know, you can say. So getting it, someone else's name right um, speaks to them at a deeper level subconsciously and all that. But that's not what this episode's about. Anyways, I digress. Um, so anyways, thank you for being here. Appreciate having you here. For all of you guys listening or watching, appreciate you tuning in. Um, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited. Perfect. Perfect. So for anyone who doesn't know you, which I'm going to assume is the large majority of my audience since we just met today. But by the way, I checked out her qualifications. Seems like she's awesome. So we're going to make sure that she is as we go through this. I have no doubts, though. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and how you got to where you're at. OK, so hi, everyone. So glad to be here. And thank you, Bob, for inviting me to be on your show. Uh, my name is Arizu Zaraf Sean. And don't worry, there will not be a quiz asking you to repeat my name. Um, <laughs> I'm an immigrant. I, I moved to the U.S. when I was 18 years old to go to college, and I just uh, stayed here. And, um, you know, I've had a meandering path. You know, I went into the corporate world. I was an executive in Fortune 10. And the, smaller the smallest corporate company that I worked for uh, was a billion-dollar enterprise. And from there, I got involved in the startup scene. I had... Um, I was a co-founder at a startup, didn't work out very well. Um, and then I jumped into... That happens, that happens. That happens. And, you know, I mean, I'm glad I got, you know, practice, I guess, you know. Um, I stumbled into investing. I was an investor for a little while. And then I decided I'm going to invest my own capital in starting, launching another startup. So right now I'm the founder and CEO of a fam tech company, family technology company, uh, to help busy parents with on-demand help. And in addition to that, I have my consulting practice and I help founders and entrepreneurs uh, take their idea to market and then later scale it. And I love it. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so question for you. I, and I, I got to ask this. So you, 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 had, um, you were co-founder of a, 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 was it a tech startup that failed? Yeah, it yes. Or yes. just a startup. I don't know if I don't know if you said tech or not. I guess it doesn't really matter. And for the context of my question, but um I would love to know more about, you know, how how have you so for a lot of people, I would imagine that if they got into something and then it failed miserably, they might go, This is this it doesn't work. Like I'm out, peace, I'm done, I don't want to do this again. But you went the opposite direction. You said, Oh heck no, I'm doubling down, I'm gonna do my own thing, we're gonna make this work. Um so I'd love to know more about the mindset behind it. Like what how, how did you think about that? Like, what was the emotions that you were feeling or experiencing as that was like winding down or ending and, you know, moving into something new? Yeah. So, you know, I was also one of those people that said, I'm done. I'm going to go mm. work with grownups. I'm going to go, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go I back to my corporate world. <laughs> yeah. I'm done with this whole startup hype, you know. This was interesting. You know, I thought I'm leaving the startup world, but, but the startup world did not leave me. Mm. And it was because of the energy that I 
kept putting out, honestly. You know, I kept okay. reaching out to founders and they kept reaching out to me. I wanted to be involved. I loved that energy and fine. And, you know, the corporate world wasn't taking me back. So mm. I finally came to the realization. You were unemployable. That, yeah. Yeah. I was unemployable, I guess so, you know. <laughs> Um, and so I finally came to the realization that, no, this is it. This is, a, let's just go and make this happen. So first it was, um, let's just work with founders and build a consulting practice focused on founders and help them be successful, which I've been doing and I love doing. But in parallel to that, this idea kept brewing in my head about the, the company that I have right now kept just, it just wouldn't leave me alone. And I kept telling myself, well, I'll do it when? I'll do it after a couple of years. I'll do it after I raise capital. I'll do and then I realized that the advice that I was giving to the founders about their startup was the opposite of what I was telling myself, right? So I, you know, that was- Isn't it funny how that works sometimes? I, I, I feel like a lot of times it's happened to me too. I'm like, oh, you should be doing this, this, and this. And I'm like- I should be doing this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, I kind of felt like a hypocrite. I'm like, I'm telling them to go go for it, launch it, and, you know, they'll figure it out. And then yet I'm sitting here and giving myself excuses. And so that I decided to move on my idea. And there I am. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so uh, so you decided to, to move on this idea and you're, you're happy, helping families now um, with, with the technology that, you, that you're building. Um, what does it take to get into the tech space? And I don't mean necessarily like the specifics, but just from a mindset standpoint, because I know that it can be daunting. Um, you know, as a as a former techie myself, my old job, I did, a, I, you know, I worked not not for startups necessarily, but just worked in tech. I can I can understand how intimidating that world can be. Mm -hmm. So, um, and especially, this is not an offending thing, but for a woman, especially, women, it, tends yeah. be, it tends to be a, a male dominated industry, but for the most part, and so. I would imagine it's even more intimidating in some cases. So tell me more about that. You know, it's all, I mean, you brought up the mindset, right? And, and I've had more than a fair share of, you know, experiences where I feel like an idiot and I'm like, oh, I don't know anything. You know, I'm building a technology company, but, you know, someone else is doing it for me, right? Because I'm not a technologist. Even though I have a technology background, I'm not a programmer. I'm not a developer. And so... The piece that always helps is an open mind, really, you know, just go in there with curiosity and open mind, not trying to make an image, not trying to make a statement, but really be open to what's out there and be open to learning. And, you know, it's okay to feel like an idiot a time or two or 10. It's okay. You know, it, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. You learn from it. You bounce back. You you keep moving forward. And, you know, what I have seen amongst the founders that I consult, there are the founders, again, just like, you know, I was at that time. There are the founders that find one to five excuses why they can't, why they're not ready, why it doesn't work. And then there are the founders that say, no, I'm going to I'm going to figure this out. I don't know how, but I know I will. And the founders that say I'm going to figure this out and they're not they're not you know, they're not giving themselves permission to just opt out. Ultimately okay. make it. You mm -hmm. know, um 
I am not saying that, you know, as a founder, if your business isn't working, I'm not saying keep doing the same thing. I mean, you as a founder, you have to pivot. You have to be realistic and adjust and modify. Especially right now. Especially right now. Exactly. I mean, how many businesses do we know that had to pivot in order to make it, right? And and those that have pivoted have actually thrived. Um, and And so... In, in my experience, it, that whole mentality that, no, 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 I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. There is more for me to figure out and, and tackle. And this happens at corporate world. I mean, I'm one of those people that have, has the experience at the corporate level, giant corporate. That's what they do too, right? If mm-hmm. they are trying to go into a market, let's say, I don't know, a consumer product wants to go into India. How many consumer products do I know that has actually tried to go into India and really capture that market, given that it's a beautiful market? And they mm-hmm. can't. They can't. They, they try, they try, they can't. And they say, well, maybe India wasn't the best place. Let's go look at China. Let's go look at Russia. Let's lo- go look at South America. They, they don't just say, oh, well, we should never you know, do any expansion. They'll figure it out. So um, in, in the case of, you know, my failed startup that I was a co-founder, the situation was a little different. And let me explain how. One was, I mean, the main issue that that startup didn't, didn't succeed was because as co-founders, so there was myself and two other women, we fell apart. Mm. We fell apart. So we had a founder. Like your, in, your internal dynamics were just not clicking? Um, they, 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 it was more than that. They just, you know, we diverged. And and that, that happens. I've seen that happen. I've had it happen with, with me and and a partner. I was like, Hey, like, we're just, we're on different paths from what what we see. And, and so it didn't work out. Correct. Correct. And so in my view, that was the reason that that startup did not materialize. And so it was first I left, and then later on I heard the other co-founder left, and eventually this startup ran out of money and couldn't make it. Um, And, you know, looking back at that experience also, I should have been, I should have listened to my little voice, right? Because when I (laughs) first was invited to join that startup, I really didn't feel that connection with the other co-founders. You know, I really wanted to make it work. I really wanted it to be a success story, but we weren't clicking to your point. We weren't clicking, but I kept trying to click and, you know, you can only do that so long for so long. So yeah, um, that didn't work out very well. (laughs) I get that. And, And I think that's an important thing, you know, um, one of the things I know about many conversations that I've had with entrepreneurs um, who some of you might even be listening or watching this is, you know, you know, a lot of them are, are solopreneurs. They're by themselves right now. And a lot of them are saying, oh, I need to get a partner. Like everyone I see that's doing things has a partner. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to say there's that's not the right answer. Right. And for some people it is or some people it's not. But I think the more important thing and, and to your point precisely is if you're going to have a partner, make sure it's the right one, you know, and, and the people always throw on the idea that a partnership in business is like a marriage because it really is. Um, but the more you look at it, the more that you think about it, the more that you realize what's going to have to go into it, the more that becomes very, very, very true. And especially if you've already got an actual marriage, now you're, you're almost like inviting a third person in. So it's, it's got to <laughs> make sense. It's very true. It's very true. And, and you've, 
you know, absolutely right. Like the people that say, I need to have, a, I need to bring on a partner. You know, imagine how silly it'll look like when I say, I need to get married. I need to get married. I mean, you, you don't, I need to have a husband. Well, you don't do that. You have to, you know, you meet the right person, you develop the right chemistry, uh, and then you go into business together. Right. So this is um, not, this is not a Beyonce song. You don't need to put a ring on it. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, right now I don't have a partner. It's I'm not, I have a team. Um, I'm the founder and CEO. I don't have a C-suite. I will create that at some point when it's time and when I meet the right people. That's perfect. That's perfect. So I want to go back to something because I think this is an important um, mindset topic I want to touch on. So you said you yourself are not a technical person, like you're not a coder, but you're trusting your developers to do the right thing to, to, to show up to, you know, build it the way it is. And this is something, especially um, because I, you know, I'm in the digital agency space, so I get technology. Like I can do coding. I can build a website. I can do all that. I don't right now because there's a better use of my time, but I get it. And there's a lot of people that I talk to that are hesitant to plug in anyone in the technology space, whether it be an outsourced provider for a service that they need or a developer for an app they want to build or whatever, because they don't get it themselves. And they feel like, <laughs> hey, that person is, is going to take advantage of them or could, or you know, they're, they're letting a, a whole bunch of stories run away with possibilities. So I'd love to hear from you more about how have you overcome that? If it was a thing for you, I don't know if it was or not. Um, and if so, if it was a thing, like, what did it take? What did that look like? I, I think that would be a fascinating conversation. Yeah. So in my in, in that case, um, you know, you have two options. Uh, someone who is non-technical and needs technical help. You either need to train yourself to be able to ask the right questions or you need to trust the person that you ask to come join your team and do the do the work. In my case... I, because I was anxious to get going, I decided the latter. I decided mm, okay. to find trusted people. How did I find trusted people? Like my first developer was um, slash is um, the husband of um, someone that I know very well in the community, in the startup community. And I knew for the fact that she was not going to damage her reputation, uh, recommending her husband to me. Um, If she had any doubt and, you know, I interviewed her husband and I talked to him and I had trained myself enough to be able to ask the right questions. Um, And so that was the direction that I went to for a lot of founders. And and that's fine, too. You know, I have a very good friend um, who is a lawyer and also has a national um, startup and um, she trained herself. She trained herself on technology and she's now the CEO, the chief legal officer, and the CTO of her company because she knows <laughs> that much, right? And so the, the, the developers that she hires, she very much knows what they're doing and how they're doing it. The other piece that I want to say is as a founder, you know, you have to be, I mean, there is a process to, um, to, developing your concept and putting out to the market right and Mm -hmm. that 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 process you know a big part of it is called minimum viable product mvp and the mvp you have to be very very ruthless about defining your mvp from the customer's perspective from Mm -hmm. the outside what does it what is it supposed to do and what does it look like and really be a good you know 
don't leave it vague. Don't leave it to your developer or your technical person to define it for you. No, you define the requirements that, that of that MVP from the customer's perspective. And give a little chunk of that to your developer and see how he or she will do. And, and, and that is a great you know, testament to how well they'll do the rest of it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And for all of you listening, because I know a lot of you may not be like building a technology product, but I want you to think about how else could this apply, right? Like literally down to something as simple as what does my social media presence need to look like? Because that, you know, what's the minimum viable product of what I'm putting out there to attract the right kind of audience? So again, I, I always like to like, frame it so that people understand that, hey, this is a great conversation, even if you're not a tech developer or in the tech space for building an app or whatever, there's still the idea, technology is omnipresent in our lives right now. So we need to understand that this applies all kinds of areas. Yeah, I mean, I that's a, thank you for bringing that up. Let's just talk about the website, right? Developing a website. Mm -hmm. I mean, every business has to have a website at the minimum, right? You can go, you know, custom and pay someone thousands of dollars to build a custom beautiful website for you. Or you can go and pay, I don't know, Squarespace 180 bucks for a year and develop a web website that's good enough that you can put out there and you can start seeing the demand. You can start marketing yourself. And so that, you know, small little website from Squarespace is your minimum viable product. Don't go spend thousands of dollars yet on a custom website <laughs> developer so yes you're absolutely right it can apply to everything in my perspective awesome and so so you know as you're you're going out there obviously you in this case you met someone or were fortunately connected with somebody that you had a, a high level of trust in in that person um I would, can I make the assumption that you talk to other people besides this one person Absolutely. as you're going along? Okay, cool. And so did they have the same level of trust? Um, or is that why you went with him? Or, or, you know, if there wasn't the same level of trust, how did you bridge that gap? Because I know you said you, you taught yourself to ask the right questions. How did you do that? Yeah. So, um, yes, I talked to about a dozen people, a uh, dozen freelancers and agencies. And I went in again with an open mind, you know, trying to learn, right? The way I would do that was I would say, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. Now tell me about you. And I, I would just shut up and listen. Mm, and I love that. Yeah. You can learn so much if you just listen, <laughs> which is not what I'm doing right now, but you, you brought well, you're, me you're, 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 you're the guest here, right? Like this is, yeah. this is for me to listen and ask the right questions and for our listeners to absorb. So I got you though, but keep going. I love so, it. Okay, so here's what I'm trying to do. Tell me about you and your approach. And then I would listen. So it was interesting. I would get salespeople, right, that were trying, they were sales um, develop, uh, what's the word, business development people for their agency, right? So that would stick out like a sore thumb. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Next. Uh, then I would get, uh, I would get these um, folks that managed an offshore team. Right. And they could speak a little bit about, you know, what they, what they knew and what, how the offshore team, but it was really focused on execution. And so it wouldn't really allow that process of learning and adjusting and learning and adjusting, you wouldn't allow that allow for that. And then there were third people that were really freelancers and 
they would tell me their approach. And you know, when when you hear like a dozen people talk about their approach, you you kind of pick up on the language. You kind of right. start learning how to what 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 questions, what other questions to ask. Okay. And so, um, so being <laughs> li listening well allows you to focus in on questions that maybe you ask, or like, oh, he brought up a good point, so I need to make sure I'm asking about that moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, exactly right. Um, you know, one of the things I, I'll just bring this up, and this is, you know, not intending to be techie, but it's a good example of something I knew nothing about until, you know, I started talking to people. So I thought that for app development, you know, you develop an app for iOS, for, for App Store, and you develop an app for Android. What I didn't know was, no, 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 there, there's technology now that enables you to develop the same the same code that applies to both Android and iOS. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until one of the one of the people that I talked to brought that up that he works in React Native. Okay, what's React Native? And he went on and explained it. Okay, well, while I'm talking to him, I'm Googling React Native. What is React <laughs> Native? Right. And and that's then, the great okay. part about virtual, right? I can do that and it doesn't seem quite so rude. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. All right. I know something about React Native. So the next person I'm talking to, I said, well, what do you know about React Native? Oh, uh, I work in Flutter. Well, what's Flutter? Okay. <laughs> so you learn as you talk to these people and you develop, you pick up. But the point, again, back to the mindset, it's okay to feel stupid, right? I didn't know any of this stuff, right? I learned as I go. Mm. And so... Pretty much the, the last guy and, you know, JP, uh, the developer that developed the first uh, MVP for me, he, he just got it all, right? I talked to 11 more people before he did, before I talked to him. Mm -hmm. And I had learned a bunch at that time. And, you know, he, um, yeah, he, he wowed me and I liked his approach and he worked in Flutter. And uh, <laughs> Flutter is the winner. <laughs> yeah, Flutter is the winner. And, and so, um, yeah. So, you know, you just, I mean, the, the key is be open. It's fine. It's fine not to know. You have a vision. You know, you have, you have a vision. You have a mission. Don't give up just because you're feeling uncomfortable. Feeling uncomfortable is good. You know, if you want to feel comfortable, if you want to feel safe, stay home. Close the door, you know, and, and do nothing. That's comfortable. That's safe. You got to find money, figure out how to make money somehow. But, you know, <laughs> but being minor details, right? Yeah, I know. But really, as a as an entrepreneur, as a as a founder, as a solopreneur, if you are not feeling comfortable, you're not trying hard enough. If you're not staying up at night worrying about how of something, right now I'm staying up at night worrying about you know, what, how I'm going to raise money, which avenue I'm going to go to raise capital, you know, but that's good, you know, so that's, that's, that's my advice. I digress. If you are not feeling uncomfortable, you're not trying hard enough. You're not growing. If you're feeling safe and happy, you know, okay, great, but know that you're not growing and you're not pushing the envelope. You're not, Change, you're not driving positive change in your life and in others. If you're feeling all safe and comfortable, put yourself in uncomfortable positions. Hey, you know, people talk about, hey, I don't want to have sleepless nights. Hey, one sleepless night or two here and there isn't going to kill you. 
right? Yes, stay up and think about what you're going to, how you're going to approach something, what you're going to do. I have my own sleepless nights about how I'm going to scale. Um, I am going to be raising a round uh, of capital raise pretty soon. How I'm going to do that? Who am I going to approach? I'm uncomfortable, right? I have always grown from putting myself in an uncomfortable situation where I have no idea at the moment how I'm going to do that, but it's always worked out so much mm -hmm. better than I ever imagined. <laughs> yeah. So put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. That's, that's perfect. And I, you know, I think that's true is um, some, something I, I keep seeing over and over again when I talk on these conversations, um, even with myself uh, to, to some extent, not always, but, in, and I think this, you know, there is no absolute truth um, in, in, you know, this capacity of what we're talking about, but um when when you make an intention, when you make a point, you say, this is what I'm going to do and, I, and I'll kind of figure it out. Somehow things tend to work out, even if it's not how you thought. There's Like you said, there's going to be failures along the way. There's going to be embarrassments. Like um, for those of you watching or listening, literally, I'm just I'm going to call it out right now. Like I just got Apple stuff and all of a sudden the phone rang and I lost audio and I'm like, what's going on here? And it got it got crazy. But look, we'll, we'll figure it out. Now it's a learning lesson that we all get to take. take. Um, but I think things work out for the best. And I think a lot of that has to do with subconsciously our mind is you know, processing those million bits of information it gets every second, or I don't know if that's an actual number or not, like, you know, but all of that data and saying, oh, we need to go focus over here, focus over here, because that's what's going to probably get us to where we want to be, even if we're not consciously aware of that yet. Yeah, it's very true that, you know, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of um, studying on brain science, and there's the subconscious mind, and then there's the conscious mind. The conscious mind is the chatter that you hear in your head, and you kind of need to master that because if you don't rule it, it'll rule you, right? Mm -hmm. um, but really, the subconscious mind is the one that you don't really know, but it tells you the truth. It tells you the truth. And you got to figure out how to listen to your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is the one that guides you towards growth, guides you towards the things that are uncomfortable, but they're good for you. The conscious mind is the flight or flight, fight or flight thing, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yep. that's too scary. You, you won't survive. Rule it, right? Um, it's, it's good. You know, I have so many examples of how I've put myself in an uncomfortable situation, so many. And, hey, you know, was it hard? Yeah. You know, I was, I was an executive in Chicago um, for a $2 billion company. And I, you know, on paper, everything looked amazing, right? On paper, I had, I lived, I lived the life, um, but I was miserable. And how often that happens. Yeah, I was miserable. And I kept telling myself, right? Again, the conscious, I kept telling myself that I should be grateful, that this is great. This is what everybody wants. Um, until my body spoke to me and I got sick. And, you know, when your body speaks to you, you have to listen. So I got sick. And after I got, you know, better, I had the, had the choice of going back to work and, and having all of that. And by the way, I had a promise of a promotion from the CEO. So my responsibility is that beautiful life that looked, you know, awesome on paper was even going to look better. Uh, but I quit. And this was in the middle of uh, the giant recession. This was in 2010. Mm -hmm. And I had no jobs, no jobs lined up, a giant mortgage. 
um, a lot of bills to pay. And I, I quit. I quit because I made a decision that I was not going to enslave my life to things. I was going to figure my life out. And so we moved from um, Illinois to Colorado in 2011, and I got hired into other companies. And um, I never looked back on that. I mean, it was amazing. It was a great experience. It was a great thing. Um, When I quit my my position, you know, I not only said, you know, goodbye to my salary, but you have to, I'd build a certain amount of equity in that company that I completely walked away from. So I walked away with very little um, basically <laughs> savings and, but, but, you know, it, it was the right thing. And was I uncomfortable? Yes. Gosh, so many days I would wake up and I would think, what do I do? Right. You know, when you have a job, you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you do stuff. I had nothing to do now. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a family. I had a, you know, boyfriend that we lived together, but, and, you know, I would go, I'd say, okay, I'm going to like go take classes and you go to these classes and people introduce themselves. I'm so-and-so and I work for, or I'm so-and-so and I am a director of, I don't know, IT, right? It's funny and how people associate what they do to who they are. Who they so are, often. right. And so I'm surrounded by a room full of people who are employed. They're all in this class because their employers have, has put them in that, this class. And here I am unemployed and <laughs> I'm Arzu and I'm unemployed. And is that <laughs> uncomfortable? Yes, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable, but I still did it. And I learned. So welcome the discomfort. It's good for you. <laughs> Embrace it. Hug Embrace it. it. Get a pat on the back. Walk with it. Hold hands. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. So uh, when, when you decided to, you know, pick up and move from Illinois to, to Colorado, you know, was there a reason Colorado or is it just like just to get out? Because one of the things that I, I've been asked a bunch of times is like, man, like, you know, I lived in I lived in Chicago for a little bit. Then I moved to New York City and then L.A. And, and almost all those cases, I really didn't know anybody. There wasn't like family or, or friends that I had in those places. It was simply just, hey, this seems to be the next place for me to go. Mm-hmm. Um and there was there was other reasons behind a lot of that, like uh, which I don't need to get into right now. But um, a lot of you know, it wasn't like I, I, I was known. And people always ask me like, how how do you just go somewhere where you don't know anybody? And I'm curious, like, did you know people in there? And if so, um, you know, if not, how how did that how did that mind, mindset work for you to go? Hey, I'm just gonna pick up and go someplace completely different. Yeah, I mean, moving is not foreign to me. I mean, I moved from Iran to the United States when I was 18 years old, and. Um, you know, I have family in the U.S., so I, it wasn't completely foreign. But, you know, I moved from the United States to Singapore on a foreign assignment um, 2002, 2003. Um, I didn't know anybody in Singapore. And that's a, that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> especially and, from and, Iran and especially from the United States. Yeah. And, you know, my mentality is, again, yeah, so what you don't know anybody? You know, you, you get to meet new people and make new friends. Um, okay. And, you know, I mean, I guess the, the question is, why are you moving? I mean, for me, I would, I moved, you know, every time I've moved, it was because I wanted to improve the quality of my life. I, I wanted to improve the quality of my experience. And, um, 
yeah, it came with a list of challenges. Um, but for me, living the, my life and living the purpose was more important than, you know, the challenges that I had to overcome. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Illinois, we, we really didn't feel like we belonged to Illinois, uh, to the Midwest, I should say. And again, we really tried hard to, to belong <laughs> and fit in. But, you know, there was a point where we just couldn't lie to ourselves anymore. And um, we took a weekend trip to Colorado in November of 2010. And we fell in love with Colorado. And we said, okay, let's try to figure out how we're going to make this happen. And then in January, February of the, the year after we, we moved. That's, I, I, I love that. And, and the reason I love that is that um, my move to, from New York City to L.A., and then more recently right now, my journey at this current time to figure out wherever it is I'm going to land next um, is about that feeling. Like you said, you said, like you just, you know, like when I went to L.A. for the first time, I came back. I remember having a discussion with, well, what is not my ex-wife, but at the time my wife, I was like, so what do you think about moving to LA? And she like lost it. She's like, ah, no, like this is you know, New York's home. Like, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I just, you know, I liked it. I just wanted to see you right. And then like two weeks later, she's like, so, right. And we both have like that feeling, like it just like, man, like it almost felt like we both missed being there. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that where we were was home, it felt different. And, and so I thought that was, you know, like a huge signal. And it's funny is, um, now it's like, I look at LA and I don't feel like it's home for me anymore. So there's, there's someplace new I need to go. I don't know where that is. And that's like part of my journey right now is to say that, but it's, I love, I love that you said, it's just like, there's a, there's an energy that I'm looking for to say, this is it. And I don't, I can't like pinpoint it or describe it or, you know, help someone. I just like, I, I feel like I'll know it when I find it and I haven't yet. It's very true. It's very true. And then when you find it, you know it. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Like you just like, like I knew, like I just, exactly. It's, it's crazy. But the, I think that the funny part is some people get so stuck in their own way of, oh, this is where I've always been. Or, um, you know, especially like I grew up in a small town um, and a lot of the people that I, that I knew growing up still live in that same town. And to them, it's mind blowing that I've like gone other places. And I, it's funny to me, like just the mindset or, or the, I don't know if it's mindset or um, uh, fear, or maybe it's just, you know, they're comfortable being comfortable. They don't want to get uncomfortable. Like, like you were talking about, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to me, um, the idea of moving in and what it brings up and how people react to that idea. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, there are people like my, I know some people, a lot of people actually that um, are, you know, fit the same category and they say, you know, this is where I'm going to be. This is what I love and this is what I'm going to do. And that's fine. That's a choice everyone has for their own life. And you know, the minute you, they're going to start talking about, I wish I could, I wish I did, you know, that those two don't go together, right? If you're <laughs> comfortable, I don't know, living in Camas, Washington, and you're good with your neighbors, and you're good with your life and, and friends and everything, great, wonderful. But the minute you say, hey, I wish I, you know, I lived in Barcelona and ate eat tapas every day well okay that's a different you have to make different choices for that right right <laughs> and, and it's gonna be and you're gonna have to get uncomfortable with that exactly <laughs> and it will disrupt your life in canvas washington you have to be you have to accept that 
you can't you can't have both. Um, I've always been the one that I don't know. I think comfort and comfort and complacency is dangerous, and so I unconsciously actually push myself in in areas where I'm pretty uncomfortable. That's good, and, no, I, and I, th- I think that's a huge trait almost of, of the people who I've seen that are successful and are reaching for it. Like, I know I can speak for me personally. There's been a couple of times in my life where I'm like, man, I'm really comfortable. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I'm comfortable. Something's wrong. <laughs> right. That's and, then, and, it, and, it, and it is, but, but that's a, that's a trained reaction. That's, that's not how, and I think this is an important point. That's not how most of us are going to naturally re- react. I've put myself in enough positions to say, I know that I need to be. So when I'm not uncomfortable, that scares me more, but I had to like, I feel like I had to train my mind to get to that point because naturally we want to be comfortable. We like, we want to, we want to avoid discomfort. So I, I think that's a huge difference in the people, at least from what I've seen, the people that are successful versus not. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, I was, uh, I reflect back, this is also, this is like the first time that I put myself in an uncomfortable position. I was very young at the time. Um, I worked for a a big uh, technology company and I was considered the expert in my little group. Okay. And my little group was uh, in charge of procurement, procuring um, electronic parts, basically. And, um, and I was one of the people in that group, but I really wanted more than that. And I really wanted to, you know, again, you know, just because I, I I knew what I knew, and it wasn't enough. And um, so in order to get where I wanted to get to, I had to involve myself with R&D. And these are like, top of the food chain in terms of you know, expertise and brain talent and you name it. And the company was um, was wanting to go a, diff- a, a particular direction from an architecture, technical architecture perspective. And um, they needed somebody, an engineer, to lead the architectural decisions. So... Uh, me, Arzu, at that time, how old was I? Maybe 26, 27. I raised my hand when I said, I want to do this. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, crazy, crazy. And I can't tell you enough, Bob, how uncomfortable that felt. Anyways, because I had good relationships with management, they said, okay, Arzu, go lead a technical, go lead a, you know, technical meeting and get it off the ground and we'll see what happens. So in this technical meeting, again, the brains are all there and I'm expected to lead the discussion and lead the, the conversation with all of these people when I have no freaking idea, honestly. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, so I, I practiced a little bit. I studied a little bit. I went to the meeting. I held my own. I asked the right questions. I facilitate the conversation. Um, I was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. The whole time, this imposter syndrome right? That I'm faking Hmm. it. I don't deserve to be here. And hey, I ended the meeting and I still, I didn't know how well I did. Well, lo and behold, one of the meeting participants had gone to the senior management had said that was a great meeting. We got a lot out of it. We have a direction. We can move forward. And that came back to me that I did a good job. 
And <laughs> hey, right? yeah. like, internally, you're like, no. Yeah. I mean, was it luck? Was it well, you name it, whatever it was. But that was my big lesson that, you know, taking risks and putting yourself in uncomfortable positions is good. Is good. You know, um, so there you have it. <laughs> so I, I love and I, I want to bring this up because I think you've said it now at least twice, if not three times, um, asking the right questions. I feel like if I got like that seems to be oh, if, if like at least from our brief conversation, one of your superpowers and what you're great at is asking the right questions um, and figuring out what are those questions need to be so that you can you can ask them. And I think that's huge. So I just wanted to point that out again, because like I said, you said it a couple of times and I think that's a something that a lot of folks don't do, right? They're like afraid to ask questions because it might make them uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's the fear of, um, fear of feeling, you know, again, unintelligent, feeling stupid. And it's okay. I mean, you know, you can always preface it by self-deprecating yourself, right? You can mm -hmm. say, okay, you know, and I've done this many times and I still do it, you know, like somebody says something and I just look at them and I say, I have no idea what you just said. So I'm going to bring you back, <laughs> take you back to the beginning and let me just ask some questions so that I make sure I understand. And that is so powerful. They usually are flattered when, right. um, when you say it like that. The other technique that I've used is um, like, the, the, like my developer explains, you know, certain things in the code. And I look at her and I say, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm understanding everything you just said. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I don't understand what you just said. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, coming out and saying, I don't understand is, is actually really, really powerful because it shows that you're secure about yourself enough to put yourself out there. And say, hey, I don't understand, but that's okay. It doesn't make me a stupid person if I just don't know this part. It doesn't make me right. a bad person. You know, it's it's just I don't understand what you just said. No, that's perfect. What I love about that, I was I'm I'm just about to finish a book right now uh, called The Culture Code, um, and in that he talks about one of the things that they they found that make groups and teams more effective and more um, productive is vulnerability. Because when the leader of a group um, is vulnerable with the other members, it creates a space of, hey, it's safe to do that. And safety triggers, it's okay to belong here. Um, and so that 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 phrase that you just said is like the perfect example of it, right? It's like, hey, I'm owning that I don't get this. And that's a, and it's okay um, for you to, to then. And it also, again, it puts them at a higher position. So then they feel like they get to teach something, which always creates that, you know, that perception of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm better. I mean, it's not the right, the right way to say it, but it, it, it creates a hierarchy in their mind of, hey, I get to be the teacher for a second. Exactly. And sometimes, especially, especially with a leader, we need to put ourselves below because if we're, if we're always on top, then we probably didn't bring the right people in because I need folks with expertise at, at different levels. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Another uh, technique that I use, you know, again, to, you know, help people um, own their, um, own their, own their discomfort is, you know, I, I tell them that, you know, when you're talking to someone and, you know, again, you, you're lost, Right. One thing that you could say is that, hey, you know, I want to I want to be where you're at. Um, I, I am far from where you're at right now. So can you please take me on this path and explain to me from step one? 
because I, I'm kind of lost. And, you know, again, that is kind of flattering to the other person. And they, Absolutely. Really, you know, come to your side, come to your space, and then they take you along. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's the right question to ask, right? At that time, like, hey, I'm not here, but I would want to be. So how do I get there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, th th this has been a fantastic conversation. I know I've taken away, I got some notes down here, like things like, oh, I can do that better. Or I can, you know, be here. So I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Um, where can, uh, if anyone wants to follow you, check you out or, or the, the app that you're building, I don't know if it's available yet or not. So where, where can people connect with you? Okay. So, um, yes, the app is available both in iOS, I mean, app store and Android and it's called Dispatch. Thanks, Flutter. <laughs> 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 sorry, I, I just I had to. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Uh, the app is called uh, Dispatch Mom, and it's one word. So just check it out. Um, we're only in Colorado for now, but we're going to be in California and Washington um, towards the latter part of this year. Um, awesome. And then a lot of the founders and business owners come to me for coaching and consulting. And I do that. And that's a really satisfying thing for me. And they can find me on aza.consulting. So apple, zebra, apple.consulting. And it's not .consulting.com. It's just aza.consulting. And I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, you name it. All the places. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Appreciate your attention. It is one of the most valuable things, your time that you can give to me. So I uh, thank you for it. Um, as always, please make sure you rate, subscribe, review, let us know if there's questions. Obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you can drop a comment. If you're listening, uh, just let us know, reach out. I'd love to hear from you guys on what you're liking, what you don't like, um, what you think about the guests. And I'm sure um, she'd love to hear from you as well, just to know that, hey, you know, you appreciated her, her, her time and, and giving of it. And thank you as always for being here. We'll get, see you guys again on another episode next week. As you know, we launch every Thursday. So be sure to check in for the next episode. Thanks so much. And we'll see you later. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by 3 Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, 3 Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.